thanks everybody for joining us for another episode of the far side of midnight i have hunter salazar back again you may recognize him from some panel discussions and he did a solo a solo episode a while back man and he's back we're going to talk about graveyard work and necromancy so how you doing man i'm doing pretty good uh yeah it's uh you know graveyard work is I always consider myself a grave worker. I'm also mm -hmm. a necromancer. Um, I can also be said to be a necromancer, but uh, as far as identification goes, I definitely identify as a grave worker, which is, it's, uh, it, it feels, it feels, um, for some reason, that label feels right in a way. Uh, grave worker, but, you mean? Huh? Grave worker feels right? Yeah, like like, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's because that's usually how I identify, but I will say that, I, that you know, necromancer is also very appropriate. Um, I will say that in necromancy, there's a few different ways that you can go, mm -hmm. um, for, I hope I'm not jumping in too soon. Are we, are we good? No, you're okay. good, man. You're good. Uh, I will say that in, I've known necromancers who will, um, dig up bones and not, and, and, and submit a soul to like servitude rather mm -hmm. than actually trying to help, uh, you know, the ghost of a, the ghost spirit or the, or the soul. And actually use that for their own benefit without giving something back. Now, I'm kind of on the reverse side. Now, this is still within necromancy. I'm still on the reverse side where it's like, um, you know, I, I want to let this energy, these three energies pass on. The soul can't be contained. So that's that's easy. I don't have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. The spirit, the life force that we get from the earth, I want that to go back into the earth completely. And the ghost, which is the ego, I want that to be okay with moving on and dissipating. So uh, there are necromancers who can trap various parts of somebody's spirit or ghost. I mean, soul technically, but mm -hmm. it's it's almost like finding a needle in a volcano or something. It's very rare. Um, so, okay. but, uh, but these things can't happen. So I'm kind of on the side of like trying to create... Um, more balance and let things move on while learning and asking for energy from these beings who have recently died. But we have to keep in mind that dirt, the thing that's under everything, is mm -hmm. composed of organic matter. There is no section of the earth that is not a graveyard. The only reason that I work in graveyards is because they're recently dead and also the association creates a certain energy. The but correspondence. Really, Yes, but really the entire earth with, you know, wherever there's dirt is a graveyard. And honestly, wherever there's even sand, because we know of shells and things like that, and, you know, detritus and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's a vaster area than you might think. And a lot of people only associate death with graveyards. And don't get me wrong, there is, there is a certain peace there. And there's a certain sense of passing there. That's why I work there. But I will say that, technically speaking, everywhere is a graveyard. There's no one spot that isn't that has not that has seen life, basically. Okay. But, but right. in Antarctica, for instance, mm -hmm. you get these vast tundras of rock that are really cold. There's not a whole lot of graveyards there because not a whole lot of stuff has lived there. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So I have a question about that. So um, is there any difference between a grave worker and a necromancer, or are they both kind of like I, you may have? pretty much answered that already but are they kind of um so are different honestly uh they overlap kind of like two circles okay. so 
technically I could be described as a necromancer, which I'm fine with. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a lot of grave workers probably wouldn't want to be called necromancers. I work with death energy as far as magic goes. A lot of grave workers don't really think about the energy in the same way or trying to use it. A lot of grave workers are just focused on the task of letting everything move on. Mm-hmm. I harness some of that energy. So technically, I am a necromancer. Um, but also, every time I gather any energy, I offer something back to compensate. And then I work with the energy that I gained, and I work with that. And then the the uh, whatever, whoever I'm offering to, or whatever is left that I'm offering to, gets something back as well that they can use to basically transform their own energy in on whatever level they're at, as far as whatever section of that human being is left. Okay, so um, if I can ask, how do you work with death energy? I'm like, what would, what would the purpose of working with death energy be, per se? I, I haven't actually done that. Yeah. You're, I think you're the only person I know that actually does do that. So. It's, uh, so, so death energy is very, it has a very peace vibe oriented. Uh, a lot of people think that grave dirt, oh, you're going to immediately contact something, quote unquote, evil or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of peaceful energy to it. There's a lot of... Uh, you know, if the, if the earth recognizes that you're taking a part of a spirit and you've already made an offering, mm-hmm. then a part of that spiritual force can be granted to you and you can store it in a certain vessel by drawing out either either through, you know, mantra or drawing it out through various crystals or different metals into something. I, I like to draw things out into patents. So this is a patent that I made recently. Um, basically, what I put in this patent is uh, black and red clay. Of course, mm-hmm. and then I put copper dust, a lot of copper dust, and then I put dragon's blood incense, uh, powdered, and then I put grave dirt and my own blood. So uh, the reason why the copper is in there is because copper, well, silver to me is the best, but copper is very good about transferring energy from one thing to another. And really, you have to know how to like send those that beckoning out from your body itself and beckon energy into something. But uh, if you have met, if you have some kind of metal in a patent and copper, I found is very effective. If you don't have silver, um, that's what it performs. The dragon's blood incense powder that gives it an already heightened state of uh, a possibility. Uh, the grave dirt itself that is just taking spirit from a graveyard, but spirit that has been offered to and accepted and respected and putting it into this patent. And then my own blood ties it directly to me. It's kind of like putting your uh, your signature on it, but not necessarily signature, more like uh, your signature in a uh, multiversal sense, where it's like, um, this is attached to me and nobody else. So it's very important if you make something like a patent, which, you know, basically for anybody listening, looks like a ball of clay that I've, I've, I've kind of like molded into a molded into the ball, but also added, you know, red clay and black clay and, and mix it all together and copper dust and everything like that and grave dirt. And dragon's blood incense and then i made it into that and then i stamped a piece of red clay on the front which is uh this sith symbol um i i actually associate a, some of my graveyard work with um with sithism now the reason i chose sithism is not because uh not because it's well founded but because it's it's not well founded so I can take the fabric of a path and make it my own and not have to deal with the energy of a lot of other people working with working in the exact same channel. 
it's a, it's almost like I'm finding I'm finding a stream and choosing to filter that water instead of finding a river or an ocean and trying to filter that water. So I've chosen something that people might think, you know, is, you know, is fictional, which, you know, yeah, the Sith are technically fictional, but the essence of it, the build of it, it right. has the potential to actually be a path that you can follow. Now, I, I, I founded the term uh, Gnostic Sith. So mm-hmm. that just basically means knowledge Sith, which means that like you, you're seeking knowledge. You're seeking mm-hmm. power through knowledge. It's not necessarily power over people, but you're seeking, you're seeking. And when this, the reason why I associate it with, you know, working with the dead is I'm seeking knowledge from beyond this realm and the knowledge that that energy can give me. And I'm transferring it into this quote unquote, you know, Sith path um, in order to, uh, and also these instruments in order to transfer it to myself and gain that knowledge and that attunement, if that makes any sense. Man, that is really, really fascinating. I've never seen anything like that. So listeners, just uh, I know you can't see this because this is recording, but his um, patent, it, it's sort of, and forgive me for saying so, it looks like a like a heavy metal version of a Pokeball. <laughs> that it's like red and black. It's like Sith colors. I mean, it looks really badass, man, with that, with that, um, the Sith sigil in the middle. I mean, it, it looks really fucking cool, man. Like, I will but, yeah. say, I will say that there's a reason why. So there's a, so just for everybody listening, there's a, re, there's a little bit mm-hmm. of an indentation around the Sith symbol and a little bit of a indent on the top. And that's for when I anoint it with my own blood, it goes oh, ring. Okay. And, and yeah. it can also gather in that little hole right there on top of the patent. Oh, okay. So, so basically it can, when I anoint it with my own blood, it becomes more and more mine, more and more vibrating with me. Right. So you, you really, what I've learned of patents is that you have to have a place for that to like soak in without it being brushed against all the time. Otherwise the blood will just go huh. off. So I've kind of developed my own patent um techniques and i i only learned about it from uh connelly and her uh her uh demonic necromancy book i believe i just heard of the idea of a patent i was like you know i i the basics of it and i was like i really want to work with this this is a great idea connelly i i can't remember her first name that's why i'm only saying connelly but if you look up demonic necromancy uh connelly then you'll find her book. But like, I just used that basic idea and I started Mm -hmm. playing with it and started perfecting it. And then now you can carry this around. And here's Mm -hmm. the thing. When you power something like this, especially if it's on this, you know, you know, Sith path, um, you're going to have to deal with it at times that you don't want to deal with anything. So um, when you feel extreme anger, sometimes you might want, that is the best time to really squeeze and transfer that energy. If you feel extreme sadness, you squeeze it really hard in your hand and you transfer that energy. You want to store that energy in a patent and then you can draw it out later. But over time, it'll become a little power source. And, you know, sometimes you might want to make a patent for just when you feel happy. That's associated with something else. But this one is just for intense energy as a result of, of basically, you know, um, uh, different kinds of pain. Now, that might sound like, you know, why would you want to feel pain again? It's not really about feeling pain again. It's about mm-hmm. using that energy source for other things later on. But you can transfer all that pain energy, no matter what it is, emotional, you know, physical, whatever. You could transfer it into the patent and it becomes like a charged battery. Wow. Yeah, that is... I mean, part of it is kind of reminding me a little bit of what um, Damian James and I were talking about. I mean, we, I did a recording with them earlier today, 
and we're kind of talking about uh we did an episode on modern mythos magic like a while back you know mm -hmm. like a little bit of this can apply actually any of it really can apply because of the sith and i was saying in that episode that like whether something is considered fiction or not the essence of it is real the essence of it is there you know so like they're like people may say the jedi are fiction or fictitious but there is a force in the universe without a doubt you know and like living beings are projecting and absorbing something that you can call it whatever you want and um there is like a sith like energy and you're utilizing it that's just pretty interesting i've never heard of it being kind of molded into like a pattern like that i will i will say that um mm -hmm. so actually i'm way more light oriented than people think that i am but i mm -hmm. i will say that my understanding of light and dark is a little bit different um right. so but i'm sure you can understand that especially people you've talked to. <laughs> oh yeah man i mean <laughs> even my own path i'm always trying to balance the two you know <laughs> like in, in some way all the time you know that's that's yeah. why i i you know that's why i kind of you know started the phrase gnostic sith is because like i just I guess you could say I'm greedy for knowledge and I want to gain knowledge, gain knowledge, gain knowledge. So it's, uh, <laughs> there's this one, there's this one Sith in just the star Wars universe that, uh, Palpatine told to, uh, told about to, uh, uh Anakin about the Sith <laughs> that did know evil where he just like, yeah. you know, I'm, maybe you know what I'm talking about, yeah. but, like, he, <laughs> but he, uh, he basically just, you know, studied, you know, different Sith artifacts gained more and more and more knowledge he actually didn't kill anybody he was just about like studies architects trying to fit trying to figure things down and getting knowledge that's kind of the kind of sith that i am i guess you could say um because <laughs> the quest I, uh... for greater power anakin <laughs> <laughs> the quest for you know like he and uh what is it like revenge of the sith he's like he's like uh you know the sith and a jedi are are almost identical and including their quest for greater power. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, the funny yeah. thing is I've always felt like the Jedi are very Buddhist and I have a very good Buddhist background. I mean, we both do. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, I, I don't think that things always have to contend with one another. I think that sometimes you can have a section of yourself where it's like, you know, I'm just greedy for knowledge. Like for me, I'll just give myself an example. I'm really greedy for knowledge. But at the same time, I'm not super focused on cursing people or hurting anybody honestly like i know plenty of curses but i've only cursed people like twice because i mean like i got better shit to do like i, I can mm -hmm. i can drop a grudge and then focus my energy somewhere else and be way better off it's like yeah sure i could right. curse this person but like why don't i focus my energy on something that's like like away from me making my life about this fucking idiot or whoever fuck with right me. Like, it doesn't make any yeah. sense like yeah. it's just like fuck them I don't. I don't yeah. have a vindictive attitude. I'm the same way, man. I mean, I'm. I'm the same way. Like I was. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and we we got into this discussion about uh, like collective rituals, and you know how there's um, obviously evil in the world, if you want to say that. Um, some spiritual people, you know, they they develop themselves to a point where like they don't they kind of absorb all of it and they don't really partake in like seeing the world as evil like i know i know a couple of people like that but for me and where my level of awareness is i i i can still see certain beings harming other beings you know things like that i can't deny that from my level of awareness but instead of me um 
joining in on like a collective ritual to say like take down the illuminati let's use that for an example i'd rather just let it fall apart itself yeah. <laughs> in a sense and keep cultivating the way i'm cultivating and just like like move out of the way and let it just collapse on its own like i don't have to really partake in doing any you know what i mean like yeah. so like that's kind of where i'm at i take almost like it's almost like a gray jedi approach yeah <laughs> right of, you know? well honestly yeah. like we both talked about i think that mm -hmm. i'm most definitely more of a gray because like I'm definitely more of a gray Jedi. Um, I because I honestly like so like all the Jedi teachings I've I'm no problem with. I think that you know when we're talking about the actual fiction though, they mm -hmm. made a lot of mistakes that didn't make sense for the light side of the force. And you know, Qui-Gon Jinn was probably the best Jedi that ever was, in my opinion. He's a like, gray Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was so on the side of the light force that he did not listen to the Jedi Council. So like <laughs> And mm -hmm. then that's why he became like, he can just appear anywhere as a force ghost anyway. But mm -hmm. yeah, man, it's kind of like, you know, when you see somebody, when you're like, man, that, that, uh, I don't know, let's just call it a temple. That temple mm -hmm. over there really sucks. And this is just like very vague. It has nothing to do with any particular temple. Um, and then, you know, they're lighting that their own, their own followers are lighting the temple on fire because they're blindfolded, but they don't realize that the light that they think they have is actually lighting the temple on fire. And you're like, oh shit, the temple's burning. And then you have all these people who are like, I really hate this temple. I'm going to help burn it too. And they're all running towards the temple. And mm -hmm. like, sometimes some of us are going to stand back and be like, do I really need to step in? I mean, like not only are the followers of the temple burning it because they're blindfolded, but also the people that want to burn it around the temple are going to go burn it. Why, why do I have to step in? Why don't I just go exactly. do something else? Like what? Exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. I mean, and like in history, we have so many examples to go off of. I mean, you're 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 really big into history. I know I know that. Uh, I think even more more than I am. Um, we have where we have in history where the status quo were pretty destructive and fearful. You know what I mean? Like look at Nazi Germany. Like the status that was the status quo for its time in that particular geographic in those geographical areas. So just think about what it might have been like for people who were like against it that were that could have been of german descent but they were like something's wrong about something's wrong about this you know <laughs> hey, let's put it this way let's put it this way in world war one uh the german army executed about 40 men for um being you know running away or or trying to like not fight in world war two germany executed thirty thousand men for not wanting to fight and cowardice um, so you see the, uh, you see the, um, the transition from, you know, just nationalism, which I mean, like it, no nationalism is great, mm -hmm. but you go from nationalism to, um, autocracy of, of an ideal, uh, you like the, the ideal of Nazism was in charge and that they're trying to force it onto everybody else. And that you see that, you see that desire to place everybody within a certain line that mm -hmm. hadn't just existed with nationalism. And, you know, I've always wondered, I, I'm, I've been studying history for a long time and all ages really, but I'm, I'm a big Roman and Greek history person and World War II person. But um, I will say that um, a lot of the time, I'll give the Russian Revolution uh, a spin on this. Um, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of Russian, uh, also keep in mind, I don't, I'm not a big fan of capitalism or communism. So nobody thinks that I am, but uh, during the Russian Revolution, um, and uh, I think it was around 19, the early 1900s, 
12. I don't know. It was, I know that Lennon was still talking around 1890s, but anyway, around that time, um, the ideas of how society and how people should be and, you know, how to make a perfect system in philosophy and political philosophy, they made complete sense. But when you try to force everyone into a certain uh, political, not, 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 not even political, but philosophical ideal, um, when human beings naturally don't all fit into the same space, you get a lot of the necessity for cruelty. Um, and that happened a lot in the, you know, between the, so, you know, the, the whole cold war even, um, where the United States was like, oh, anybody who says they're communists, we're against, uh, anybody who says they're capitalists or, you know, you know, democracy we're for, but neither side looked at the details. They were always about the labels. So basic ideas can cause either anybody well the people in charge to enforce these ideas in a number of ways but an idea starts at the top unfortunately mm -hmm. and then it delineates and then by the time it gets close to the bottom everybody who's who's supposed to enforce this on the bottom has to figure out how to do it piecemeal and on the spot and that's why you know philosophy and ideas when it comes down to it if you don't have it down to like just an everyday understanding of an individual of a person then it's going to destroy an entire society no matter what kind of society that you have does that make sense it does it does it does so kind of going back to um the philosophy of, of the sith and wh why yeah. you you incorporated it into um the death ritual would you say because the sith philosophy is uh, a lot closer to like embracing because like because you were you were telling me earlier that um death energy is very peaceful and i can i can kind of see how that that would be but um what is it exactly about the sith philosophy that makes it fit um that makes it more of a fit than like i guess like putting like an angelic sigil on, on the patent or something like that um the expansion the so expansion. okay the, uh so i mean i I don't want to go too much into my own book that I have not been able to publish yet, but, uh, you know, I, I consider myself a voidist. It's something that I've coined mm -hmm. voidism. It's, a, it's actually an ancient Buddhist term, but I, I only found that out later. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I believe that around one's knowledge, we it's, there's basically this void of energy. And the more we learn, the more that we become, the more we push into that void and it, we basically light it up with our own consciousness. Mm -hmm. Now we can combine a lot of people together that want to be together. We can push that even further, but basically it's an expansion into what we don't know for the sake of knowing it, not necessarily because we need it, but because expanding knowledge allows us to become more and more whole in what you could call the force. We become more and more whole by by understanding more and more and, and and in depth as well by what we already understand understanding it more deeply we we become more and more whole and we become more and more associated and aligned with the multiverse so really okay. this symbol when you look at it it's about expansion it's it's basically a chaos star that doesn't look like a chaos star um but the funny thing is in norse uh, norse mythology and then you know uh, in tier and the taiwas or in taiwas um 
it's called the chaos star, but it's actually a symbol of order because you're, mm-hmm. you're not, you're not confining yourself. You're going out and you're trying to, you're trying to encompass more and more, not necessarily with your power, but with your understanding. So really, no matter how far out, no matter how far into the void you go, you're going to be, be developing, but you're not going to be hindering somebody else because it is the void of knowledge. It's not the void of power. That's why I call it the Gnostic it. sin. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah, that makes yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That that makes a lot of sense. It's it's pretty much it definitely uh denotes that what you're what you're aiming to achieve is knowledge, but not so much like to um I don't know the Sith Creed by heart, but you know, like uh it's very Here, I'll like, read it to you. you want me to read it to you? I can read yeah, it. Yeah, go for it. Hold on. Okay, listen, guys, we're about to hear the Sith Creed. <laughs> So to tie everything together with what we're talking about. Well, the you know, you know, the funny thing is um the Jedi Creed and the Sith Creed, I'm kind of in between. <laughs> but I do, but when I'm really trying to focus on like my passion for like gaining that knowledge power, I, I might read this. Uh peace is a lie. There is only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains will be broken. The force shall free me. Not so, very left-hand pathy. <laughs> yeah. But when it's in reference to knowledge and not yeah. so much power over other people, uh, it becomes uh, not necessarily more tame as much as it is more focused. I said, I, I guess you could gotcha. say on knowledge. Okay. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, when, I, when I read the Grey Jedi Creed on our first episode that we did together. You know how it just it recognizes um, both, but um, you know obviously death energy has has its, has its place in what you're doing. So let's kind of go into uh, a little bit of uh, necromancy, necromancy for a moment. Like um, I know I know necromancy is kind of like a very broad word. Uh, mm-hmm. Different traditions have different. Uh, you know, like in Tibet, I learned that they that there's like a, some in the uh, Bon tradition in tibet they have like their own version of necromancy obviously and um some uh voodoo there's necromancy there's necromancy like all over the, all over the planet in some form why would a 21st century uh mage or witch um be willing to to do that to kind of go into like death energy now is it to basically like help um to, to gain, I mean, like my understanding of necromancy uh, without really done, doing it will be sort of like to gain knowledge from, from those who have, who, who have passed on ancestors or something who are keepers of, of a certain lineage. Would that be kind of why someone would really do it? Yes. So, um, okay. so it, it is to gain knowledge. Um, sometimes, so there is this thing where there's a diff- there's a number of spiritual realms that a part of yourself will go to after you die and it'll seem like like your consciousness is the same then you die and then you appear there it won't be your whole it won't be the whole you but you will appear there and perhaps you know me as hunter salazar might appear in a certain place um in my own idea of the uh, spirit world and um when you're doing necromancy you're going to be one of the honored dead you're, you're going to be one of the honored dead you're going to be one of those that was like, oh, you, you know, we've heard about you. You've been working with us the whole time. Um, you've been trying to uh, join the world. You've been trying to make this connection. 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, welcome. Um, not there's no necromancer that does it just for that, but that is a piece of that. Um, okay. Okay. And and another thing is, uh, for necromancer, you know, I can't speak for necromancers who abuse mm-hmm. this, the energy that they get, but I will say for me that I can carry the death energy wherever I want to go, and it doesn't cause death or anything like that. I will say that when my when my um, how do I say this? When my energy gets very intense, very strange things will happen. Um, like lights will flicker a lot of the time, or or, <laughs> or uh, like I, it, it's funny because it's not even scary. I'm just like stop, stop. Uh, but but uh, uh, or like um, animals and people will kind of like you know like not really want to be near me. Um, but that's when my energy is very intense and negative. So like it kind of. When you when you have death energy basically in your body or near you, it can be something that's just like uh, in addition to whatever energy you're already feeling or whatever whatever you're manifesting. So if you know how to use it, it can be just a it can just be an addition. It's kind of like a spice to the energy mm-hmm. that you're already putting off because you're so attuned with it and it's always around you. And it's okay. a, it's, the, it's the spirit that isn't assigned to a body. It's not it's 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 in the process of going back to the earth. So if you can gather some of that, then you can make that extension of yourself without having, you know, somebody else's like, um, you know, energy from that necessarily. It's just that energy that was already going back into the earth. And you can extend that and make that your own manifestation, your own extension of your will, sometimes by accident. But I will say that if you're going to work with grave dirt as much as I do, and I have grave dirt everywhere in this room and in other places, um, very from various places. Um, you need to understand that either you're going to have nightmares or that you need to defend against um, spirits or not even spirits, ghosts, leftovers of the ego messing with you while you're asleep. So if you're, if you're okay with nightmares, I have, I have some crazy nightmares and they're not pleasant, but I've gotten used to them. But when I gather new grave dirt, I will have extreme nightmares. But you can defend against those. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. You can defend against those nightmares. I don't because I like to experience and see what kind of message I'm trying to get. Even if somebody is trying to, let's say, metaphorically punch me in the face, I kind of like want to see what the, where the nightmare goes. But mm-hmm. um, they can get very intense. So that's a, that's a danger. Um, but, you know, you can store that energy. You can direct that energy. It just depends on um, what tools you're comfortable with. I can go into different tools and stuff like that, but it'd get very specific, and uh, people would probably start closing their eyes and go to sleep. But it, <laughs> it, uh, it, uh, it, it is it's all good. It's it's not it's not all it's not all flashy. It's not all glamour. Sometimes it's like the little things. Sometimes it's you having a, bo- a a certain color bottle with a certain liquid in it, certain alcohol, and you know, to offering to a spirit. Sometimes it's a certain kind of cigar. Sometimes it's just saying, you know, you know, hello, thank you very much for talking to me, even to somebody who is in the ground. It's uh, sometimes it's just the little things. It's, it's it's not always, you know, drawing these big pentagrams into the ground and dressing in a black cloak and raising your arms up to Satan or anything like that. Sometimes, sometimes it's just focusing on the spirit and the spirit wants little things. The spirit was tied to this life with little things, the things that it liked. And if you address it as a person, still a person, 
then you're more likely to be able to contact that spirit. Okay. Excellent. So um, before we close, uh, I want to, I want to ask another question here. Um, yeah. Because it just kind of came to me. What is the difference between a necromancer and a medium, which is popular, like the kind of like more new age movement happening, you know, like what's the, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, I feel like I know the difference, but for listeners that may not know, they may come across books like John Edwards or I don't know, whatever, you know, these <laughs> books that you see in the bookstore are just as like how to be a medium, talk, love with the other side, blah, blah, blah. What's the difference between like an actual necromancer, somebody who's like doing the work you're talking about and like with the various tools and implements and then like someone who just says, hey, you know, I'm a medium. I can hear the dead people. <laughs> so like, so 99% of people who call themselves mediums are not mediums. And that's not just me saying that. I mean, like legitimate people who are mediums will say that. But um, also anybody who's just a medium is not a medium. Um, they're, they're, it's kind of like, imagine, imagine a circle and a dot in the center. And that's a medium. But in order to connect to everything around where we are, there has to be something connecting to the outer circle. Like, sure, you can be, a, well, actually a lone, dot, a lone dot in this instance, you know, this might seem like something else, but this in this instance, yeah, you're not connected to the grander scope of things. So anybody who's just a medium and not connecting in other ways, either you have to be really, really, really good or you're lying. Um, because you have to, you have to do something else to connect. It's not like you you just uh, stand there and immediately get it, or you know perhaps you followed a path to get to where you are as a medium, and then now you're a medium. But like nobody is just born a medium and then they're just able to connect. But well, very very few, maybe zero, mm -hmm. you know point zero 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 one percent, very small percentage. Yeah, very yeah. small percentage. But I mean, like it's possible. But I will say that. Either you have a path to get there or there's other ways that you connect. There's no way you can just be a medium uh, unless you're in a very small minority of people. Um, and I, I very much question a lot of what mediums say, uh, the vast majority of mediums. Got it. Cool, man. Thanks for bringing some light to that. Yeah. Well, um, I guess this is it for right now. Um, you just gave me some more ideas, though, for sure, for future episodes. <laughs> yeah. I want to do a future episode on the Force and Jedi and the Sith. And <laughs> write it all down. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to write it all down, man. Um, actually, actually, uh, I want to I ask like another question before we go, though. Yeah. Um, okay, so is this is probably like a stupid question, but I'm sure there may be someone out there or some people out there wondering the same thing. And you mentioned nightmares. So is grave work and necromancy dangerous to do? So um, the short answer is yes. But the more complicated answer is uh, it can be psychologically trying. So you might. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about any any force imposing imposing its presence on you. If you can't direct your will as a person, um, and that will like, okay, so basically as human beings, because mm -hmm. we have this grand instrument of a human body, we can direct our will fairly easily. The things that try to come against us and mess with us are, they, uh, they're very afraid and also not able to manifest as much as 
as we are as living human beings or human beings who have, you know, the full range of chakras and things like that. We can direct our will with just eyesight. If you do not become afraid and you direct your will with eyesight, something like a, a, a ghost, you know, not necessarily a, you know, a very high level ghost, I guess you could say, but uh, a ghost will like feel like it's being penetrated by like a machine gun or something. It'll just leave. Um, but uh, if you, you have to not be afraid of instances when you think that there's something scary around you because most of the time when it is a ghost or something like that, it can't hurt you. And another thing is, is like you're very vulnerable when you're asleep. Um, I don't protect myself when I'm asleep because I want to see what the communications are, but they're very, very disturbing. Um, so if yes, protect yourself while you're asleep, if you want to go down this path, or don't and be a crazy motherfucker like me and just try to figure it and just try to see what they're co what's coming at you. I mean, I, I've been, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. So, I mean, I, nightmares don't really affect me like they used to. Um, you know, in fact, in fact, um, well, this isn't really funny, but I guess it's an interesting story. I had a nightmare the other night where uh, my friend that overdosed when I was in high school turned, you know, in that night, in the nightmare, well, it, it felt like a good dream. Uh, you know, turns out his parents dropped him off in georgia and he and you know he had another name or something he came back he's like oh he's actually alive and then my other friend that was that i was cut off from uh oh he came to he's like you know what you know screw all the stuff we were mad about and then my other friend that was uh you know he became a real he became a real uh a sour person a really serious person somebody who who just started really being a drag on energy we all came back together in this dream we're like oh man we're actually all back together we're all good and then I woke up, and immediately as I sat up, I said, "That's a low blow." <laughs> wow! Because because I knew something was doing that to me. I'm like, I I as soon as that dream ended, I'm like, "That's a low blow, man." Wow, man! Wow! <laughs> so you gotta be you gotta be pretty secure. Yeah. And um, don't think that this is you know fun games. Um, and you know. It wasn't something that I thought – it wasn't something that I really got into as much as it is something that I felt like I always was. It's like I always, I've, I've always felt like I was this way. It's not necessarily something that I was just like, oh, let me check out grave, being a grave worker. It was like, it was like no, it's, oh, I, this has always been the nature that I was. So I, I can't give advice to people who just want to get into it. But I will say that if you do want to get into it and test the waters – just understand that you have to be careful. Understand that um, it's not a game and understand that you might have nightmares if you don't protect yourself at sleep, which you can do with talismans. You can do with uh, energy work beforehand. Uh, you have to be, you know, you have to understand that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, anybody who's out there who feels like they're this kind of person, I mean, we really don't have a fucking choice. I mean, like, this is who we are. <laughs> I mean, like, it's and, like, you know, I remember uh, Raven Caldera in one of his uh, Nordic uh, Northern shamanism books. He said, um, first of all, if uh, you're a shaman, if uh, you feel like you're a shaman, I'm very sorry for you. <laughs> Mike, I, I, I would agree with that, man. Like, I mean, I'm really, really good friends with the Lakota shaman. And it's like some of the stuff that they deal with. This is fucking terrifying, man. I mean, I mean, like, it's not it's not. It's not fluff, <laughs> you know, like 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 this path you're talking about. And it's not, you know, so people that are listening right now, 
if you have sort of a curiosity to sort of dive into this stuff, this is not a party game. It's really serious. So be warned. You have been warned by Hunter and Roderick. And I will say that um, as somebody who considers himself a Northern Shaman, um, that's also very difficult. So if you want to, so I see a lot of people on Instagram and Facebook dressing up as Vikings and taking pictures and shit. Um, that's cool. I actually like a lot of those pictures, but I will say that when you're talking about real shamanism and really working with these runes, it's, it is, it is a, is it a primordial boot camp? It is, it is mm -hmm. difficult. So just everybody, just please understand that no matter how cool you think something is, really research before you go into anything that you do on your spiritual path, no matter if it's these things Absolutely. or something else. Definitely. Yeah, man. Thanks for being on and yeah. uh, much appreciate you having you on, man. You know, um, I'm going to have, I want to have you back and talk about some other stuff and mm -hmm. I, we can even talk more about, death and i i love talking about death man that's like one of my <laughs> I, for some reason i'm really fascinated to have like an interesting relationship relationship with death you know yeah i've lost so many people in my life and just kind of like been just around that kind of energy for such a long time um i will say yeah. um so you mentioned yeah. losing people in your life so um yeah. uh i so i can't really describe how to do this for other people but um what I did at my uncle's funeral recently, which it was about, I don't know this uncle super well. It wasn't, it was a little bit of a blow to the heart, but it wasn't a huge blow. I don't want to give yeah. you that impression, but um, this was about six months ago. And um, the, uh, the Christian pastor, it sounded like the whole, the whole damn ceremony was him trying to convert people instead of actually talking about my uncle. And uh, the whole time he was doing whatever the fuck he was doing, I, I don't know if he was consoling himself about him trying to convince himself that he's Christian. I don't know what the hell he's doing. He's an awful Christian pastor. And even even among Christian pastors, he was wow. fucking awful. I kind of wanted to hit him in the face. I didn't. <laughs> but, uh, but I will say that, uh, so I, I looked at my, so my uncle's a bomb over there. He's in the coffin. I looked at his third eye and I started to uh, this is not something that's easy to describe nor easy to replicate. I just want to let y'all know, but I started um, slowly turning my finger while I was sitting there and focusing on his third eye and making sure that all the energy was drawn up. And, you know, at that point between his eyes, making sure that all the energy got out so that nothing was behind and to allow everything to pass up the whole time, whoever this idiot was making, whatever he was talking about was, I was focusing on his, my uncle's third eye and and wrapping that energy out of his body to make sure, just sending that energy out to make sure that everything was out so that he could finally just go. Um, that's something. Wow. That's something that. I mean, I can't make any promises, but when you start working with the dead, you start to get really weird sensations about what you should do, and that's not something that I, you know, I read in a book or whatever. But I was just like, there's something. There's something there. And I think I know how to get it out. So sometimes inspiration from the dead actually happens as well, or inspiration along this path happens as well. Like, oh, I need to resolve this, even though I didn't know this was an issue. But yeah, that's all I got to say on that. Nice, man. Very cool. Like, there's always something I can learn from you when we talk about this stuff. But, <laughs> yeah. but for anybody uh, that's listening right now, you know, just, um, you know, be careful. 
you know, take heed to, to what you're doing. Um, make sure you're grounded yourself and your intent. And if you want to see some really cool grave work, um, Hunter puts a lot of this stuff on his channel. So check out his, his YouTube channel, which is after his name. Hunter Telazar. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, let's yeah. let, let's let's do this again real soon. And let's like, as we're getting closer to Halloween, I want to like dive more into some of these like darker uh, subject matter. And also, it's just like I've been getting emails from people that are that are listening to this podcast, and a lot of them really like the dark subjects. Yeah, <laughs> I'm noticing so. Just kind of taking a life of his own, I guess. So I'm, I'm not going to complain about it. Like that's fine, you know. I mean, I tend to I like a lot of that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> as do I. But uh, yeah, thanks for supporting supporting this, everybody. This uh, podcast project, and yeah, once again, check out Hunter Salazar's channel, named after himself on YouTube. Hunter Salazar. Uh, he will be back on his podcast, and he is a member of the Lords of Chaos discussion panel as well. You can find us on Facebook at The Lords of Chaos. If you're interested in maybe being on a podcast or even just shooting a ship with us online, whatever, I don't know. But uh, anywho, happy summoning. Do it safely, everybody. Peace. <laughs> Peace.